0: Hi, Sierra. Hi, Father. How are you doing today?
1: good to see you.
0: Yeah, we're both smiling. It's a great day. It's a Friday. (laughs) Everybody loves a Friday.
1: Right? Happy Friday. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, Those of you tuning tuning in, um, it's a beautiful Friday afternoon here in Old Snowmass, Colorado. Dad's calling in from Los Angeles, California, and this will be our fourth um, energy crash course. And today we're going to be talking about electric vehicles and our goal in these 30 minute live conversations is to really demystify, um, these very exciting, ever-evolving topics around clean energy. And so today we're going to start with electric vehicles and maybe even before doing that, dad, you said, do you want to maybe offer a disclaimer, just kind of give us some scope because it's such a broad field.
0: A couple, a couple um, sort of scope uh, comments, I guess, would be that you know the term EVs, electric vehicles, is, is quite broad, and it includes not only cars that we all we're going to talk about today, but it includes trucks and buses and planes. There's electric planes now, and trains and boats. So there's there's a lot going on in this whole movement to a decarbonized uh, decarbonized forms of mobility. Uh, and even within the the what we're going to call even within the cars, the the passenger vehicle world, there's also some interesting nuances. There's all the plug-in hybrid electrics, right? That have the first forty miles that that's electric, and then and then something else happens. Interestingly, there's hydrogen electric vehicles that actually use hydrogen running through a fuel cell to create electricity, and that's an EV too. But for this crash course, we're gonna talk about the most common form, like the Teslas, right? The battery electric vehicles. We're gonna focus on those, on those for this course.
1: Yeah, and as we dive into that, uh, thought it might be useful to kind of provide some context as to, you know, for those non-mechanical folks out there, um, how does a traditional car work um, and why is it problematic?
0: Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. And we, we've heard we've, I've been writing recently about the end of ice, which is the internal combustion engine. And, you know, you dump your gasoline into your go to the gas station and you put the gas in the gas tank. And then what happens when you turn that car on? Well, the little bit of gas is being mixed together with some oxygen uh, inside cylinders and those under under pressure and they explode. There's a little explosion. There's all these little explosions that are going on inside under your hood. Of your car, and nothing wrong with that. We've had a decade, a century of really high-performance cars, and, and we've had a lot of fun with them. I think, as a society, um, but the result is is that when you burn a, a hydrocarbon, gasoline, you end up resulting with carbon dioxide emissions, and this is the root of all the global warming problems. And vehicles are more and more part of the problem because they rely on gasoline. Our electric grid. Is becoming cleaner and cleaner. We're moving away from coal and fossil fuels and more towards solar and wind. So our grid is getting cleaner. Now the electric vehicles come along and allow us to retire that that engine in our car. There's all those all those explosions going on, all those combustion, internal combustion going on, and replace it with a little electric motor that's silent, clean. Any of us that grew up having slot cars, that's what electric vehicles are really like. Just zipping around. Um, in an emissions-free way.
1: And, and before we get into more of the details around EVs, on a global scale, what percentage is transportation cont- contributing to um, planetary carbon emissions?
0: It's about 30%. It's yeah. about 30% in the U.S. and it's about 30% globally. Uh, and then when you break that down, when you say, okay, well, what percent of, the, of that 30%, what percent is the car the car is about, about 60% of that. So uh, we're, we're at about 18% of global emissions come from the tailpipes of the cars that we're going to be talking about replacing today.
1: And electric vehicles aren't a brand new invention. Do we want to just uh, talk, will you please, yeah, <laughs> talk I, a little bit about the history of EVs and kind of their evolution?
0: It's, it's such a fun story that, that Henry Ford's wife drove an EV, drove an EV. It was a 19 uh, excuse me uh, 19, 1914 Detroit Electric was her car. and I read an article that said that girls back then dig electric cars uh, because they did not explode. And at that time, at the beginning of that, that century, uh, there were pretty much three options for cars. And one was using electric, but uh, that Ford, by the way, I mean, the, the, the Detroit electric that Clara Ford drove had uh, got went 20 miles per hour. That was it. And it, had, it did, have, did have 80 miles of range. But in those days, they were looking at using electric or using steam engines, which were like locomotives and all were using steam engines or using gasoline. And everybody thought gasoline was the most dangerous option of all. But of course, then Henry Ford produced the, the Model T in 1908. It decimated the electric car industry for for a, a whole century. So it wasn't until 1990 that there was a California state law that required zero emissions vehicles. And all of a sudden, General Motors had to produce something. And it, it came out with the 1996, it came out with the GM. At first, they called it the impact. It was got kind of a so societal impact, but you, pretty bad name for a car. It sounds like you're getting into an accident. Right. Uh, they renamed it the EV. They renamed it the EV One, and it was just an amazing car when I first came to LA uh, with you. Uh, my job working for the City of LA was promoting the EV One. I drove one all over the place. It was it was super high tech, but it got seventy miles of range. Uh, it used lead acid batteries, and then the regulations in California changed, and in two thousand and seven uh general motors scrapped the, the 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 impact altogether it promised it would come back with something better and actually did fulfill its promise it came back with the chevy Volt in 2010 which is the best-selling or the car of the year back then it was this hybrid electric and then it came out uh a number of years about another eight years later with the chevy bolt in 2011 the nissan leaf this is before tesla the nissan leaf was the best-selling car in the world It sold about 10,000 units. And by the way, now the best selling car in the world, the Tesla Model Y, is selling more like 200 or 250,000 units. So so things have really come a long way. Mm -hmm. But fun that there are these long routes uh, in the industry. We've we've come around now, largely because of the advent of the lithium ion battery that allows us to have such great energy density. in a, in, a, in a battery that allows you to couple that battery with mobility.
1: And some of us have seen that movie, Who Killed the Electric Car? But could you speak to that? Is that like a technological thing that happened or was that the petroleum industry that kind of came in? Like that, I know that between between 1990 and 2010, there was, there was a bit of a stagnation with electric vehicles. What happened there?
0: Well, I think the word is is basically the auto industry, um, probably backed with the petroleum industry, uh, was able to to repeal some of that very progressive California legislation that had you know that had initiated that that vehicle. So all of a sudden, the regulatory support, the policy support. and I want to talk a little bit about that when we talk about Norway, because if you've got the right policies in place, you can have massive EV adoption. But the policy support was ripped out uh, from. Underneath of uh, the the GM EV1, and many people, many many people were upset about it and felt that GM was just simply trying to make more money by selling their conventional brands uh, than others. And you know these concerns have been uh, even more recently. You know Toyota has been objecting to uh, has been many people have said that Toyota has been retarding the progress of the EV market uh, largely because they want to pro- continue producing their hybrids and then they. They're more interested in hydrogen. Now Toyota's now come on board, as I'm going to talk about.
1: But. Yeah, so there's some major conflicting interests, and of course, the electric car is only as green as the energy that it's sourced from, right? So, can you talk about that a little bit? It sounds like if the grid is clean energy based, like it is in California, you know what a what a wonderful benefit. But if people are charging their batteries from coal, um, Yeah, so I guess that speaks to the policy issue as well.
0: Yeah, I was I I was going to get into this. I I would really resisted getting an electric vehicle for some years because I didn't want to just I didn't I didn't buy the zero emissions. I mean, that's zero tail type emissions, but as you're suggesting, if the majority of your electricity that comes to charge the car is coming from a coal-fired power plant, that's a dirty vehicle as far as I'm concerned. So I waited until I had enough solar on my own roof to power my own car before I invested in electric vehicles so that I can be very much guilt-free and, and feeling that this is really part of, the, part of the solution, not just a continuation of the old world. Um, one of the big concerns about EVs is that you're taking a huge amount of energy requirement, mm-hmm. Uh, that is basically the mobility in America. And you're saying, okay, now we're gonna say, no, we're not gonna get that from fossil fuels anymore. We're gonna get that from electricity. And so there's been all sorts of analysis. Are we gonna double the requirement on the grid? By the way, there's also building decarbonization going on. So we're gonna take out all of the oil fired and gas fired boilers out of all these buildings. We're gonna replace it all with the heat pumps and electric equipment, that's all going on the grid. So these two things, electric mobility and building decarbonization, potentially will double the impact on the grid. Uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I'm, I'm just very fortunate. That we have lots and lots and lots of clean renewables that are coming online that we can rely on to, to make that transition so that we can decarbonize both the electricity sector and then by extension, decarbonize buildings and mobility. Can,
1: can the grid handle it <laughs> is my question.
0: It's it's gotta be added, it's gotta be added to, you know. So here in Glendale, you know, I'm involved with our utility and we're planning for that that load growth. Um, and obviously mm-hmm. we can we can reduce the load right now by maximizing energy efficiency. There's still lots of that in society, but we will need additional resources. We'll need on, we'll need offshore wind, we'll need more solar, we'll need so you know. But yes, that that's the plan is to decarbonize. And that's really the exciting thing about electric vehicles, is it allows us to decarbonize transportation.
1: Yeah, that's super exciting. And as you know, there's more demand on the grid and, and hopefully more capacity added to the grid like your solar panels. Um, what uh, what about the implications around the batteries and lithium mining and whatnot? Like, can you expand on the, the demand for batteries and what the environmental repercussions of that are? How sustainable is that? And you know, what is that gonna mean you know, several years down the road?
0: Yeah, we could probably just do a crash course on, on batteries. There are, there's so much going on with battery chemistry right now. Um, we wrote, just wrote about a new battery, the blade battery, that's blade batteries that are a form of lithium batteries that are now being used in China and very successfully, even Tesla is gonna put them in their cars. There's new reports now of recycled batteries uh, being, being repurposed and put back in cars. That's really a new, a new uh, piece of information for me. I, I thought we were going to have to take them all out of the cars and just use them for stationary applications. But, but there's a lot of research. I mean, you're, the, 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 you're right in asking the question because typically batteries degrade over time and therefore after about 10 years they'd have to be swapped out and then isn't that a huge solid waste issue and, but fortunately there are in fact one of the originators of i think tesla now is in the battery recycling business i mean and just repurposing these materials and it's sort of over my head the chemistry is over my head but it's very 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 encouraging because that is one of the one of the issues and lithium ion which i consider the the new gasoline May not be the chemistry at all. I mean, lithium is in, in finite quantities and found in, in different areas around the globe, like Bolivia and places that we don't want to be dependent upon. Um, so it's exciting to, to realize that there will be advances uh, in in batteries. And and we'll talk about charging, but there'll also be advances in charging. I mean, it may be that you don't need a big battery on your car because as you drive down a roadway, there may be you may be inductively charged as you drive along. Right So wow. uh, obviously it's the need for a big battery bank altogether. So stay tuned in this space. It's really exciting.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it seems like it's just evolving at an accelerated pace right now. Um, what is the state of the EV market?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad exactly.
1: vehicles <clears throat> specifically.
0: Well, you know I, I was happy to to dig into some of these numbers and it's I'm uh, curious to know we ask the average person the listener on this on this show, how many vehicles are sold each year in the world? And I, I would never I you know, venture to guess. And it's right now about 70 million because we're in pandemic times and it might be about 80 million a year um, that, that are sold in, in non-pandemic times. And, and last year, 5.6 million EVs were sold. So we're we, you know we're we're up there in that five, six, seven percent now. And uh, EV, by the way, it's 5.6 million last year. The year before that, it was only 3.1 million. The year before that, it was 2 million. So who knows? It, wow. we're, we're going to be getting past the, the 5% and moving quickly to the 10% in the global, uh, in the global um, EV sales. Those numbers are about the same. In, in, in America, uh, we're purchasing about 17 million cars a year. Uh, and now, in, now EVs are coming in at around four or five percent of that right now. But again, it's the fastest growing market in the auto segment. So, so again, stay tuned. I think we'll have, we'll really see some dramatic rise. But um, and if you go to a place like Norway, right, where the poli- which is by the way, Norway is an oil producing nation, right. and um, Norway has put policies in place to meet its climate protection goals. And right now, Norway is selling around 75 percent of all new cars are EVs uh, in Norway. Really? So wow! The right place. Now, let's, before we before we move away from this topic, realize that China is still the biggest EV market in the world and has right. more EVs than anywhere. So, um, it's quite something. A couple other uh, highlights: Hertz rental car that went that just went bankrupt <laughs> has restructured just purchased 100,000 Teslas for its fleet. That will be 20% of its worldwide, worldwide fleet. Here's another one, Volkswagen Group, uh, which has uh, the Porsche Holdings and the Volkswagen Group, Audi. Uh, it has is, it is come out in the press saying it's taking on Tesla, right? It, it does not intend to be second to Tesla in the future. It is selling home energy storage systems like Tesla Powerwalls, It's buying electricity for its consumers and selling it to them at a discount. Uh, And again, it has this stated goal of um, of overtaking Tesla in production of EVs by 2025. So there's just huge action in the EV world right now and everybody making proclamations and, and jumping in.
1: Well, and just tying back to the earlier question about the environmental implications of the battery mining I mean, and the fact that this market is shifting so quickly. Should people be waiting to purchase an AV? Like, what do you, is is the time ripe? I mean, like you said, you waited until you actually had the infrastructure to support it. Um, I mean, is it one of those answers? It depends.
0: (laughs) No, I don't think so. I think the benefits are so great right now. Um, and yes, there are these longer-term issues of, of availability of the materials to build the batteries, and how do we deal with degradation and can we recycle them? But, but yeah, it's it's um, no, it's a, a happening a happening thing. I I I like to lease products that I'm not sure about, right? So I think solar panels I'm pretty comfortable with. Um, okay, to recommend buying solar panels, but um, I'm very comfortable just leasing these uh, vehicles. And having them for three or four years, and then seeing what the next technology brings. Hmm.
1: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so you mentioned range earlier. Uh, maybe you could build on that, as well as some other benefits of EVs, and and why there's this major buzz around this technology.
0: Well, let's let's hit on range range first. Um, Because I mentioned Clara Ford, Henry Ford's wife, who had 20 miles of range. And I mentioned the EV1 that had 70 or 80 miles of range and the Nissan Leaf that had about 100 miles of range. And and now uh, the Chevy Bolt uh, that I have has 258 miles of range. Some Teslas have over 400 miles of range. And there's new EVs coming on the market that are going to have over 500 miles of range. So we're really
1: just to interrupt you really quick, this is, this means that this is how many miles the car can go on a full charge of battery before you have to recharge the battery.
0: Right. And this is what everybody's worried about. This is what everybody's been worried about. What if I, you know, what if I run out of power and there's all sorts of stories, early EV owners that turned on the air conditioning and that drained the battery down. They didn't realize it or the headlights were competing. You're on
1: the 405, just coming to a sudden stop. <laughs> the,
0: headlight, the headlights are competing for range. The, the, the radio is competing for range. It's ridiculous. We're, we're, fortunately, we're just well past that. Range okay. is almost becoming a non-issue. And one of the things that I was excited about to hear about just in the past couple of weeks is that there's 53 utilities, big utilities across the country, have now formed the National, Hi- National Electric Highway Association. So they have a stated goal of energizing all of the major US transportation corridors across the country. So putting in charging stations again and again and again so that it makes it possible to drive across the country.
1: Mm -hmm. Great. I mean because I know that's that's one of the biggest issues, you know, and maybe you could talk a little bit about our trips to Laguna um, back in California. Calif- or back in California, my mom lives in Laguna Beach, my dad lives in Glendale, California, and his car has just enough range that fully charged, we can drive all the way down to Laguna and all the way back. And we actually had a very fruitful conversation about just this. Um, but range-wise, that works, but to come and you know visit a, f- a thousand miles away or so is you wouldn't really depend on your EV.
0: That's right. Well, actually, we could do the trip to Laguna more than twice um, with the current mm-hmm. current vehicle. But, but I want—I did want to tell them that they sort of throw out some of the numbers because you asked about some of the one of the benefits of EVs. And, oh, the, yes. and to my in my view, the big benefit is saving the Earth. Right. This is all part of what we can do as individuals to to clean. Um, to clean emissions or to reduce emissions. And then another big benefit is, is the cost savings. And you know, I'm only paying $200 a month for my Chevy Bolt. That's, a, I think, a relatively low cost. There's zero maintenance costs at all. I once called up Chevy and said, should I bring my car in for a tune-up? They said, "What's you don't need a tune-up. I said, should I bring it in? Well, if you want to bring it in, we'll rotate the tires for you. That's all that it needed. But, but another big, huge benefit is just the operating cost and how low that is. And so I want to just give you a couple numbers here on my Laguna trip. And I go to see when we see, we bounce back and forth between Glendale and Laguna. It's 100 miles round trip. So my electric vehicle gets about about four miles per kilowatt hour, and that's typical for an EV. Four miles per kilowatt hour, and thus uh, so for 100 miles, that's a 25 um, that's 25 kilowatt hours that I need to go that that 100 miles. So you know if I my solar system, now we got a pretty good deal here, but we have good utility incentives and we took advantage of tax credits. My levelized cost of energy for my solar system is only four cents, right? A kilowatt hour, four cents a kilowatt hour. That's that's really good. So now I need, remember I needed 25 kilowatt hours. So I can do that round trip to Laguna Beach for a buck, right? Now let's say that I buy for the grid because that's more typical and maybe 16 cents a kilowatt hour. Now it's four bucks, right? To go to Laguna Beach. Well, let's say I've got a hugely inefficient vehicle. I don't know, some huge SUV or Hummer or something. I don't even know what. A big truck or something that makes me feel really big. And, uh, and I'm only getting 10 miles to the gallon. Well, that's 10 gallons I would need for that trip, right? 100 miles. And that's four, at $4 a gallon, that's $40. Now, you're comparing that against my $1 price that I'm paying. Now, okay, that's not really fair because I don't need that big truck. Well, I, ha- I used to have a Prius. I love Priuses. They get fifty miles to the gallon, and that's two gallons, or that's eight dollars. So now compare that with my one dollar, or compare that with my four dollars if I bought my electricity from the grid. So you can just see that, and that's why there's these amazing. Yes. You hear these amazing claims like this car gets a hundred miles to the gallon. That's what that's effectively what they're getting. It's a, it's a little bit of a complex computation, but if you just think about it this way, uh, this might help out is that an internal combustion engine that we talked about at the top of this podcast is about 20% efficient. Most of that that energy, that burning of those fuels is given off as heat, noise and heat, right? Waste. Whereas the electric motor is 80 to 90% efficient. So that's really what we're doing is we're trying to tap that fundamental, huge difference in efficiency.
1: Well, and the public health benefits of and not, you know, the asthma and all of the like the nasty things that come from all of those that particulate matter that's burnt in the internal combustion engine, yeah, becomes yeah. a non issue too. So, yeah. we wanted to touch on t- charging a little bit. Um,
0: yeah, we really should. That this is where I think everybody has got lots of questions and comments, and and you know what, it's it's is moving as fast as the EV market is moving. But to be clear, um, every EV is sold with a level one charger, which is kind of like an extension cord that you can you know, plug into your car and plug into your any household 110, um, 110 outlet, and it, you, you can charge your EV. Now, that's good, but it's really, really slow, about four miles of range per hour. So for, for a car like my Chevy Bolt, where I've got 250 miles of range, that's about 80 hours to charge. If I was completely out, 80 hours, I'd say three days to charge the vehicle. That's really too long. If you're just using your vehicle for short trips, like I usually am just down to the train station, that's sufficient. But if you have to have back-to-back trips to Laguna Beach, say, or to San Diego or wherever you're going, uh, then you need something else. So the level two charger uh, is a, a two, 220 uh, volt uh, charger. It charges about 10 times as fast. So I can, I can charge my car fully in overnight, right? With a level two charger. Um, level three, DC fast chargers. Um, these are pretty cool that the industry says you charge in minutes, not hours, right? So, so they're, they're really charging at a very, very high rate. And imagine if you had a 200 KW charger and you're trying to fill up a 60 KWH battery you can do that in less than an hour. You can do that in about 20 minutes.
1: Wow. Um,
0: there's um, there's level four superchargers that go up to as high as 450 kW. That would mean that my car would charge in, in probably about uh, 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes. So. But
1: what is the standard that we're seeing in parking lots?
0: The standard we're seeing in parking lots is is 7 kW. All right. So,
1: so how long would it that's take? The,
0: that's the level two is the 7kW. That, that would take me the eight hours. And if we go to level three, where we're somewhere like the Tesla's charging stations are 100 to 200kW, you know, now you're down to, <clears throat> excuse me, now you're down to 20, 30 minutes to charge your car. And so, and then these superchargers and Porsche is very involved with this could be, a, you know, a matter of five or eight minutes to charge your car. Tesla, by the way, has license, is licensed to be in the restaurant business and it's planning on putting restaurants at its charging station. So you can get a bite to eat or maybe if you're on the highway, you can take a shower or you can watch a movie. Uh, there's companies that are building charging stations with that are around diners, dine-ins or drive-ins where you can get a, a sandwich or a hamburger or whatever you want, some fries uh, <laughs> while your car is charging. So this is this this whole charging world um, is exciting. There's lots of government support for charging. There's lots of utilities here in California. The utilities are have really lofty goals to to make charging ubiquitous because this is the number one concern that people have about getting an electric vehicle, is that hey, what if I run out? Totally. And, and, you know, AAA has already got batteries on board. You can, you know, AAA will give you, you know, 10 miles of range or whatever it is. Oh, really? But, you know, there needs, to, there needs to be as many electric charging stations as there are gas stations. And we're getting them. And the nice thing is you can have one at home too. So the most of us can just charge overnight and not even have to deal with going to a gas station.
1: And so we're seeing the utility and even oil companies calling themselves energy companies who are all kind of all in on this, right?
0: I just read this morning that Shell is building this whole network of electric ga- electric gas stations, electric charging stations all through the UK, and mm-hmm. so yeah, there's there's this is a, this is something that um, the oil companies realize now. I mean, certainly the car companies realize that you can't buck this trend. Yeah, you can't yeah. Buck it. and you got to get ahead of the trend. And um, and, the, and so, uh, yeah, what
1: do you what do you see moving forward? I mean, we obviously have a lot of work to do with decarbonizing our economy by 2030. Um, <laughs> so how, yeah, how, what do you envision the next, say five to seven to 10 years looking like?
0: I, I think we're just going to have a whole lot more of the same. Um, we're at that, we're at that in a sort of the J curve of EV adoption where we're just at that inflection point. We're just mm-hmm. starting to rise up and cars are, are getting to a point where they're, by the way, EVs are less expensive to build. Than internal combustion engine cars. There's just so many fewer parts. Fewer so parts, right. EVs can be cheaper. We have uh, in LA now, this year, we'll have something like 40 models that are available in the LA wow. market. I mean, wow. it's, every car company I, I wrote down, I had just preparing for this, I wrote down a list of car companies that we know that are, that are getting in the EV world. Ferrari, Porsche, Audi, VW just introduced two really cool uh, EVs last year. BMW, Cadillac, Volvo, its first uh, EV. Ford, Hyundai, um, Kia, Mazda. The Ford Mustang is now an EV, right? It's a classic car. Mercedes-Benz just introduced a car with 422 miles of range. The VW minibus is back as an electric camper van. And then there's all sorts of companies that we've never even heard of, or I had never heard of, Bollinger, Polestar, Lordstown Motors, Atlas, Hercules, Canoe, Flicker, Alpha Wolf, Fisker Ocean, so there's just um. By the way, then you've got Apple maybe making a car, and then Sony has got a new car called the Vision S Electric. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. So I think uh, the price of batteries yeah. has come down. The awareness has gone up. Everybody recognizes the need. There's greater and greater infrastructure. So yeah, jump in. I would say.
1: Yeah, this is this is more than just a fad. This is the direction that this decarbonization movement is going so just in our last 30 seconds dad can you for anybody who's really you know paying attention and wants to to stay on top of this this movement um maybe thinking about purchasing a car are there some resources or thought leaders you might um recommend
0: i do thank you for that question um plug in america is a trade association of ev owners it's headed up by a friend of mine joel levin but it is national uh, they've done a lot of work. They have a lot of, they have a really good website, Plug in America. Uh, you can actually become not only get information, but you can actually become part of their movement and part of their lobbying effort. There's three publications that I track uh, EV news from. One is called Inside EVs. Another is called Electrek. And the third is called Clean Technica. And so those are great, those are great sources of information. Uh, Folks are welcome to be on our website. Um, We have written a lot about EVs over the years and we'll continue to do so.
1: So, And of course, the Net Positive podcast now has 60 plus episodes. So there's a wealth of information and knowledge. Um, Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in today. Father, it's a pleasure as always. We will be back soon with our next crash course. um, So stay tuned and have a wonderful weekend.
0: Thanks, Sierra. Good stuff. Bye.